Today's guest needs no introduction. I am so happy to be joined on the OCRWC podcast by the one and only John Alban. We catch up about his current sporting landscape, his thoughts on today's OCR, and finally, we discover the secret of how to train like a multi-world champion athlete with the launch of his new training app, Alban App. All right, John Alban, thank you so much for joining me on the OCRWC podcast. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, so I'm uh, very happy to have you here with me today. Hi, it's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it as well. How have you been? We've not kind of seen much of you in the last couple of years with COVID and then the travel restrictions. What's been going on with you? Uh, not so much, I guess. I think I got a little bit lucky with COVID being uh, living in the middle of nowhere in Norway. Uh, it was like affected me a little bit less, but obviously traveling was definitely affected. And um, we actually, as soon as COVID hit, we decided to move house because we didn't really feel like going back to Bergen um, where we were living, which is like a bit more of a city. So we moved house pretty much immediately out to the countryside, uh, wow. which was fortunate. So uh, it was a lot of like getting to know new mountains and new areas and lots of training because there was no <laughs> racing. And I took the opportunity to get get my foot fixed as well. So I had a foot operation. So everything, it, the whole time it worked out like pretty well. Like obviously it's not been a good thing, COVID, but I've seen a lot of silver linings and tried to make the most mm. out of it. I am laughing at you saying getting to know a new mountain. <laughs> it's like that. Albin's top things, get to know a new mountain. Um, yeah, I've heard a few people say that. I mean, I spoke to Karen Carlson and she obviously had a baby and she was like, this is the, a good time for me to be doing it because there's going to be a break from racing. So I guess it's an enforced break for quite a lot of athletes, yeah. which is not a bad thing. No, it can be quite healthy, to be honest. And it means that you get back to training for different reasons and refined the love of just training to train. So um, no, it's certainly not been a bad thing, but obviously... Yeah, pretty bad for a lot of people. I'm just fortunate that it hasn't affected me so much. And obviously, yeah. How did it affect your ability to race and travel, though? Yeah, so I I took an entire year off racing and traveling and just didn't yeah, didn't race whatsoever. Uh, but like I said, it offered the opportunity that I could get my foot fixed, which had been bothering me for like four years. So mm-hmm. to finally be able to do that and fix the foot up and not have the psychological stress of thinking I'm missing racing. Oh no, I'm missing like a whole season of my career. It was just the fact that no one else was racing as well. just meant that I could spend the time actually getting, getting the operation, coming back slowly, gradually building up and not stressing about taking things too fast. And then a whole nother ski season in the winter and then another build up with training. And then last year was one of the best seasons I've ever had. So uh, it all, all worked out quite well for me in the end. I do love your skiing videos. Skiing is pretty much the only sport I can actually do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, think, I love the videos um, when you do post them. Yeah, I, I don't post so often, but I mean, obviously with Instagram, you do end up posting the best stuff. But I mean, it is pretty cool where we live and there is a lot of really nice skiing. And yeah, when I had the bad foot, I, I, re- I found a love of skiing because I could do that mm-hmm. pain-free. And now my foot is better. I'm rediscovering the love of running, but then also still have the skiing as well. So having that contrast between winter and summer is is great because there's never sort of like, a, oh, no, it's winter. The weather's going to be bad. It's just something else to look forward to. Would you ever kind of move into more kind of winter sports like that? Yeah, I think like uh, the skiing is a lot of fun. And also you can do a lot more of it without it absolutely destroying you because it's less impact. So like I did a really famous, the Tour de France of ski mountaineering racing this, uh, this year, four days back to back, back, back to back, really gnarly racing, like crazy, but 
you 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 feel tired, like your system is tired, but your legs are completely fine. So it's a completely different kind of abuse. Um, I mean, you say that, but like I, I, I on skis, I like to go downhill as fast <laughs> as possible. I'm an '80s kind of skier, just like meow. But like at the minute, it's very it's very fashionable to do the cross country skiing, and that it's so tiring. Going up a mountain on skis is exhausting. It is, but then I don't have your legs, so yeah. But then also, you have lighter equipment, and you do go slower uphill than if you are running. And there are there are a lot of like benefits to it as well. And it is great training for the running season. So I mean, um, I've done a few races this year. I actually um, I did the Norwegian ski national championships and came second so i mean um <laughs> that, it's not schemo in norway isn't as competitive as down in like italy and um i know but France, that's just but wonderful still. but it's it's, it's, just it's been a lot of fun because obviously uh it's a new skill to learn like it's just something else to try and get good at and it's like refreshing yeah. um so it's been it's been a lot of fun with the skiing but i'm definitely I don't now we've 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 just gone past uh, the point where you can easily ski from the car without driving up quite a way. So now I just want everything to melt and just be done <laughs> be done with the snow. So now we're in this like in between time. We've got three trail uh, three trails that have melted out. So I've got a choice between three three trails to run on. Um and it'd be nice with a little bit of extra choice. That's amazing. Is there a sport that you haven't tried that you would love to do? I'm sure there's lots of sports, but I think... It's um, the one that you've kind of got in your head that you're like, you know, this, this is something. I don't know. Like, I think it would be really fun to try a road marathon because obviously, like, running is a sport, but then there's lots of disciplines within that. But I think I'd have to give up far too much in order to do it as well as I'd want to. Um, mm. but, but apart from that, I think, like, I'm really happy with the skiing in the winter and the running in the in the summer. I found sort of, like a nice flow moving from the seasons and uh, they complement each other really well as well. So I think I'm, I'm happy. Schemo has made it into the Olympics. Uh, it'll be in the Olympics for the first time in three years, but Amazing. I'd have to improve quite a bit in order to make the top 24 in the world, uh, which is necessary. Uh, and also I don't think I'd get much support in the way of like funding or help from GB either. So um, I think I'm, I'm good with having skiing as the hobby and the running as the, as the job maybe. Well, we have amazing skiers in the UK. So yeah, it's just, it, the mountains. So it, <laughs> why not? Give it a go. Go for it. Yeah, it is a new sport, and I think I'd have to like do a lot of like work myself, I guess, rather than having sort of that system that's put in place by the by the country to sort of like help you along. Um, but it would be a lot of fun. I'm obviously gonna. I'm always gonna try and do as well as I can when I do things and I'll be doing some more schema racing. So we'll just see, see how it pans out. But at the moment I'm just enjoying the fact that it's such good training. And then when you yeah. translate that into the running, it means you can change the type of athlete you are. And that's sort of like what I'm after more with the skiing and also just getting out and exploring the mountains. So. Amazing. Amazing. I love the way you talk about sport and training. It's just, it's so natural to you. It's just, but this is, uh, We'll see because I mean, obstacle racing, trail running, ski mountaineering—it hasn't been the, in the Olympics yet, so they're still very purist sports. They're still sports mm. that kind of they are what they are because that's what they've evolved to be. Where as soon as a sport makes it into the Olympics, they can change and they can be morphed and they can be ruined almost just to make them more spectator friendly. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see if any of these sports did make it into the Olympics, how much they'd have to change and adapt in order to make it into the Olympics, or whether that would detract from that that purity, which I'm a big believer in. Yes. I mean, obviously, we've just had the news in the last couple of days about the possibility of uh, an obstacle course being involved in the Olympics. And I'm always a bit kind of, 
I think with OCR, actually, no, I'll ask you first before I talk, because <laughs> you do it more than I do. What are your thoughts? I think the, the obstacle racing that we, we used to know and love, like the real British roll around in the mud, jump over some ditches, jump over some trees, do a few monkey bars, swim in some cold water, like a more raw, natural kind of obstacle race, we are seeing less and less of already. Um it's still not gone so far that the sport is ruined, but I definitely think that it's gone off in tangents and I'm not entirely sure that like, I, I like the new form as much as the old form, or maybe I like sort of a bit of a combination. I think the obstacle race world champs has probably done the best job of trying to include both the old school and, and the new school. But I think mm-hmm. anything that would make it into the Olympics would be very clean, very clear cut and probably detract a lot from the reason we started obstacle racing in the first place, like this sort of like raw fitness where you test everything, uh, all types of fitness, but then other things as well. Like even with Tough Guy, half the whole point was to face your fears. And that's something yep. that's almost completely gone out of obstacle racing. It's no longer, I hate confined spaces. I went in some confined spaces at the weekend and now I feel amazing. That's actually a, a part of obstacle racing that we've kind of lost. Um mm. So that's just one example, but still, it would be interesting to see what would make it into the Olympics and mm. whether it's like the same, but I, I highly doubt it, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you in, in terms of it becoming an Olympic sport. I think it's so young. There's so much fun left to have. There's so much to explore about the possibilities. You know, every year we see new and different obstacles happening that are just so magnificent and so fun to see a human try to navigate them. That's going to go. Once it becomes an Olympic sport, that's going to go in that sense. I mean, you said running. There are many dis- different disciplines in running. That could happen within OCR in terms of a non-Olympic sport. You know, you can have the short course format like there was at Hildevat, or you could have tough guy style. I don't know. I- I'm just worried about it. Yeah, losing its losing its joy. Yeah, I think um, the first thing would have have to happen is someone's actually going to have to define what obstacle racing is. And I think that's a definition yeah. that no one's actually managed to make. And even when Joe DeSena, for example, says, we need to get this into the Olympics, he's not actually saying what this is. Mm. And no one's no one's really managed to put together mm. a definition for obstacle racing, which encompasses all types of obstacle racing and why we're doing certain things in certain ways. Uh, I certainly do think if you look at orienteering, there's a way to have a good mm. amount of flexibility, but still have um, ha- have it sort of organised in a well enough way that you can actually describe what it is to people. Um, so there, yeah. there is sort of a middle ground there, I would have thought. It just depends whether the people which are in charge of, of doing these sorts of things or getting the Olympics actually understand what obstacle racing is or where it started and where it should be going um, instead of doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, and that's really important. It is really important. I mean, it's when, whenever I try and tell people about the worlds and what I do and like, but what what is the sport? And I'm kind of like, oh, it's kind of like Tough Mudder, but competitive. And I hate saying that, but it's the only way to describe it to people without it sounding completely weird and niche. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, wish there was is, a better way. Yeah, it is, it is tough. But I mean, I'm sure we could have like a a set of a blueprint for what an obstacle race should be. But within that blueprint, there's a lot of flexibility. For example, we have five or 10 different types of monkey bars. And in a 15 kilometer course, you need to include three of those types of monkey bars, for example, but you can choose out of the 10. Mm. So that way you kind of know what's coming and you can train for 10 different types of monkey bars, but you don't actually really know exactly uh, what type they'll be. Um, so that, that sort of, that sort of approach. And then also standardizing a little bit the final kilometer. 
because um, yeah. if it is really tough racing neck to neck, it's the final kilometer that it comes down to. And if you put in 20 mm. rigs in the final kilometer, that's just going to allow the rig specialist the ability to win way better. So it's sort of like that final kilometer trying to have a good spread of obstacles, which tests all types of fitness, all, yeah, all the, all the types of obstacles and some running, of course. Um, so it's a, it's a bit even all the way up until the finish line. Um, thinking about all those things to, so we can actually really nail down what obstacle racing is and how it should be put together in a competitive format, um, is really important. I do like that idea actually, because it gives, it gives freedom for a little bit of design and interest without it, but also being standardized. So it's not just the same thing, the same thing, the same. There is scope um, for, because that's part of what obstacle course racing is. It's, it's not knowing, it's this. It's the difference. It's the, you know, it, it's not a marathon every time yeah. on the same road. It's it's different. And then, it's and unpredictable. Then, and then also trying to think about the fact, yes, we have man-made obstacles with big names and, like you can number them and stuff, but then also trying not to lose the more raw, natural mini obstacles that you don't really think of as being obstacles, like the jumping over ditches and the the muddy bits or the running through the trees where you kind of have to pick your own path. So the, these aren't things that you can actually name as obstacles, but they're all things that actually really do grind you down and form a big part of uh, what is an obstacle course uh, race. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just just the terrain you run on can... <laughs> Changes it entirely. It, th- this is an interesting conversation I had with um, Ida the other week. I had her on and we were talking about the standardization of Spartan races. And she made a really valid comment, which I also agree with, that they're becoming very standardized in terms of length and the obstacles. But the terrain is so different across each race that you can't compare them like for like. Yet they do get compared like for like. And it's it's true. It's where, it's where the difficulties come up. Yeah, I mean, um, to have the World Championships in a desert with pretty much only two kilometres out of the entire 21-kilometre course being runnable where you can actually use a running stride, the rest of it was all mm. running on really soft sand. It's like whoever, whoever's got those cycling legs or more powerful legs for running on soft sand is going to have a bigger advantage. So I guess that's in one way really not standardised, but then the obstacles are standardised. So... Um, no, it's, it's a, an interesting thing, but I don't envy the people that uh, are trying to sort of like put these rules in place and think about how to standardise things but still um, keep the purity of the sport. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. So talking of um, the Spartan Worlds, how was that? I mean, running on sand, the desert, for anyone who's not been to the desert, it's it's so hard just to walk on sand. I felt so sorry for you guys. And then, yeah, it looked really tough. How was it? It was really tough. Um, I know just the traveling out there and the, the night before, it was like one of the worst sort of like pre, pre-race pre nights I think I've ever had with the noise from the cars driving around and the sand buggies and stuff and the heat of the day and the running in the sand. It was It was really tough and it really hit home to me like how you had to prepare a different way to how I had especially shoe choice for example like there was a lot of stuff there was a lot of unknowns having never done like a desert race that um just didn't have the experience in order to put down a really good race but still relatively happy with how I performed it's just it was quite late in the year and it's pretty hard to have the best shape possible uh that late and I was definitely glad that my year was done after after that race (laughs) 
Do you have many plans uh, to be doing much OCR in the upcoming year? So far this year, I haven't got anything planned obstacle racing wise before the summer. So I've kind of planning, mm-hmm. same as last year, my, my, my season in two halves, I plan towards sort of like mid to late summer uh, and then see how I've done, see how my legs are, see how the trail running has gone and then see which obstacle races I want to jump into um, and just sort of play it a little bit by ear because it's still kind of hard. You don't really know which races are going to be the most competitive. You don't really know mm-hmm. where to go or what to do and obstacle racing as well. It, it really is detrimental to your legs. If you want to have really good running legs for a really competitive trail race, uh, to do an obstacle race two weeks before can really, really ruin your legs. Um, and I have found that with the trail running, it's, it's so competitive that you have to, you have to really focus on it and you have to give, give everything for that one, that one race or that one day. So it can be kind of hard to chop and change in between races like I have done before. So, so taking part in an OCR is kind of sacrificing something from. A, a different area really so it has to be a, worth it I guess a, a little bit yeah I mean if um if I was just doing a little bit more low-key trail races and a few sky races here and there I'm sure I could manage really well like I have done whereas if I'm going to mm. go and do like the the CCC as part of the UTMB week and mm. really try and do really well or Sierra Zinal or some of these races where the level is so high in order for me to perform how I know I can perform or how I want to perform I have to sort of really prioritize those races which is a yeah. shame but then also I have done a lot of obstacle racing and it's nice with new and different challenges and we'll see how it goes into the autumn and hopefully um, I'll get some races done in the autumn because it is still a sport I really do love. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense though. I mean, we missed you a lot, obviously, at the Worlds last year. It was it was very interesting seeing what happened without you there. I, I kind of, I don't know. I think if I were you, which I'm not, so I don't think like you, but almost being forced to miss a year would kind of put my brain in the sense that Okay, so if I missed it again because of other commitments, it, it's kind of easier. I'm not making a... I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like no, that no, first yeah, I, miss I, I, has happened because yeah. you've been with us since the start. Yeah. So I don't know. It might give you a bit more freedom in your brain to kind of no, plan your year a bit more organically. Completely agree. Like uh, I would have made it last year if it was if it was at all possible without sacrificing like a, a good chunk of time uh, trying mm. to sort of like squeak around the rules. Uh, which obviously open would have opened myself up to other risks of like getting stuck in Canada or something like that. So I mean, oh, I, imagine. <laughs> I didn't really think it was like that doable last year, considering. And yeah, mm. like um, it will be interesting to see how the year plans out um, and see if I can make it back this year. I know the Trail World Championships, if I do qualify for Great Britain, like I did for last year, uh, mm. is again in November. Um, mm. In Thailand, so uh, with a race like that, I know Team GB is very particular about me not doing any other races um, in the lead up to that, so that could uh, have quite an impact. So So we'll see, we'll see. But I mean, I'd love to go. I'm still doing my grip strength training and I'm still training um, (laughs) relatively good base for for obstacle racing and still keeping some work going in there. So uh, it would be quite interesting. I think I'd just be a bit rusty on the obstacles, but... Uh, I'm sure with one or two races, I could, um, yeah, dust some of that rust off. Uh, We always love to have you, but, you know, also know there's lots going on in life. So, obviously, as I mentioned before, you talk with such confidence about sports. You know your own body. You know how to plan. You know how to train. And and finally, you've, you've, you've given the people what they want, which is... Your training. You've developed a training app, haven't you? Yeah. So um, 
two or three years ago, I started to a little bit of personal coaching because I was getting a lot of people asking me for advice or just interested in getting some guidance, both for trail running and obstacle racing. Um, and I, I realized like there is, there's a lot I've learned because I've never actually had a coach myself, but I've had, I've had to sort of develop my own training ethoses from like talking with great athletes and doing my own research and finding what works because I think there isn't that much material out there to help you, especially for mm. obstacle racing, but also for trail running. There's not that much out there. A lot of the research has been done on marathoning and, trail and um, track running and things so it's like a lot of experience counts for a lot and I think definitely over the last years I've gained a lot of experience and I realized I did have a lot a lot to give so it was actually um, Lou he's a French Spartan racer he just said well why don't we put together a training app and when we started working on it it just snowballed and it was so like fun to put all the all the sessions, everything I've learned, like absolutely everything into an app that someone can download and then just follow along towards a race. And um, we're really happy with it. And I've actually, I'm completely reliant on, uh, reliant on it myself now. So I, wow. when I was in Scotland last week, I didn't have any internet and I was lost. And I actually missed my leg strength for the week because I completely forgot to do it because I, I wasn't following the app. So yeah. um it's really fun. I, th I really do feel that using it in the last six months has really improved my own fitness because it just keeps me consistent and it just keeps That's me amazing. doing doing the sessions every single week. And um, I hardly miss any because they're there and they're easy to follow along and they're planned out exactly how I've been doing them for the past years. It's just I'm a lot more consistent now. So uh, it's both helped me and I'm hoping it's going to help a lot of other people as well. Mm. Well, I've had I've been having a look at it over the last couple of weeks and it's, I mean, my first look at it was I was at a soft play center with my small child, which is, you know, not the best place for trying to concentrate. And it just made so much sense to me. It was, it's so comprehensive. It's so straightforward. Um, and there's so much information there, but it's really clean. It was lovely. Like, it's, it's lovely. That's such a soft word to use for it. But it was so easy and so varied. Now, I actually hate running. I really, really hate running. And I try and do it all the time. And kind of I've always had this dread of like, oh, I've got to go out and run. And I always do this stupid thing, which everyone does, which is I'm just going to try and run faster. I'm just going to try and run faster. And I try not to. And then I do. Whereas then within your app, there are different running plans and it's not actually as scary as I first thought I was like oh crap this is this is John Albans running this is going to be terrifying oh my god it's an hour and then I look into it I'm like oh well, there's a warm-up and then there's oh and then I do this and then I go a bit slower and then that's cool and actually it's it's interesting and it's really well described so in in terms of that like it actually got me excited about running so, so <laughs> I mean, well done. If you got me interested in well, running, then you, you're working. I think you've you've hit on one of the key ethoses, which you don't have to run that hard that often mm. in order to prepare really well for events. And actually, the majority of the training is done at easier work rates. Um, yeah. And really trying to use all the gears in those easier work rates. So, um, first of all, we split the training up into different phases depending on when your race is. 
And it's not until about six to eight weeks before your race that you're going to really ever start pushing really hard and producing lactic acid, really. So that, that's actually really nice because it means that when you do head out for your session, you, you know that it doesn't have to be that hard. And then lacing up your trainers is a lot easier. And that just makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier to actually get a lot of running done and get the consistency there. And then when it comes to the time to train like Rocky Balboa before, like in that last <laughs> six to eight weeks before your race, you know your race is coming. You know you've done a lot of good training and you know there's going to be a few sessions where you're going to push extra hard just to really peak your fitness. And you can prepare mm-hmm. for those sessions. You can fuel them really well. You can rest up the day before and you can make a big deal out of those sessions where you have to push harder so it just makes Mm. just generally the entire training process a lot easier and that's exactly how I train and I prepare like to to think that I'm pushing really hard in all my sessions all the time to be as fast as I am is completely false um yeah it's just not true like you can't train like that you just get burnt out you lose motivation and you get injured um and also we realize that not everyone can train like me like I this is my job now. I have so much time to rest and recover and I have yes. quite a big base already built up from years of training. So I can't just create an app where people just do exactly what I do. That's just stupid. So we came up with the concept of commitment levels. Uh, so you can mm-hmm. choose a commitment level from one to six. Uh, I do mostly sixes and fives. Um, but it might be that you only really have enough time for commitment two or three because you have family and you have work and you have other life commitments. And to pick the right commitment level is the most important thing because that way you can make, take a manageable amount of training still with the right training, um, stimuluses. But uh, you can actually manage that week on week. And it might be that one week you have so much work to do. You're just only going to manage a commitment one. That's completely fine. You remain on the bandwagon. You do commitment one, slightly less training, but still some good quality there. It might be another week that you're away for a week and you're, you're holidaying and you've got extra time and extra time to recover. So you could up your commitment level and do a little bit of extra training. And that's mm. that's exactly like how I do my own training, just plan it around what else is going on in my life and even around the weather. And now I've created a system where people can do that themselves. I think that's really important because of, you know, being just a regular person, I'm not an athlete. I'm a regular person who likes to do sports, but I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not going to be winning anything, but I like to do it. But I have a lot of life as well. One of the problems, well, there are two problems that I have. One is I start, I'm going, okay, I'm going, okay. I overdo it. I get injured. I have to stop. Or I'm going, okay, I'm going, okay. I stop for a week or two weeks and I just can't start again. So it almost feels like, I don't know, it always feels like that little break can ruin it. But if you go, right, okay, no, actually, yeah, next week, oh, God, I'm only going to be free on Monday. Right, okay, well, then I'll do this on Monday and that's fine. That's my training continued. It's almost like it's like with the runs and, and them not being going all out. It's almost like being given permission to dial it back a bit. And that's better than the alternative, which is not. <laughs> No, I think it's com, com, like that's sort of like that is what everyone experiences and I experience as well. And the biggest danger is to remember back to what you used to be able to do and then get really mm. down on yourself because you're not doing as much as you used to do or you're not doing it as fast. But you need to be really honest with yourself with what you can get done at that time and just concentrate on the now, just do the best you can. And then you'll be really surprised after three weeks how much better you feel and everything starts flowing and it'll just, everything will become a bit easier, but you need to start somewhere. And finding that level of fitness, which you can manage and you can recover from is really important. So um, that is a key part of the app. 
that's something that's really I, I know I personally struggled with it a lot and a lot of people have said the same uh, for me it was having a child for a lot of people it's letting their fitness go over lockdown etc it's that idea of I'll go for a run I'm going I, I just I used to be able to do this I used to be able to do this and it's it doesn't feel good but I, I'm not giving myself the time to, to start again and get better so yeah, you it's, always that is very dangerous. You always remember back on things so much better than they were at the time. So I can actually remember specific runs where at the time I thought I was going really slowly. It was really hard, but then you look at the data afterwards and you're actually really happy with it. And then when you think back, you think that when you were running, you were really strong. You felt great, but actually you didn't. So um, there's so many pitfalls and dangers with training, uh, but within the app, we've tried to sort of cover as, as many of them. Uh, as possible and also it's filled with every session that's got me to where I am so all the strength training all the sort of magic bullets uh that I've oh yeah it's not it's not just running there's so much in there and um yeah it's 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 sorry please carry on (laughs) no it's uh so I I get a lot of people which ask like how can I get better uphill running and now my answer Mm. can just be it's all in the app like it's it's all there everything (laughs) even the sessions that like Killian says oh John you should try this because it really helped me they've all gone into the app like everything is there and everything's scheduled as to when I do them for my key races so um it's it's all there and it's it's all planned out and it's all flexible and there's a lot of choice still there so I mean all the leg strength I do, the the fancy intervals, the sort of uh, the carrying training, like the the grip strength training. There's some really cool mm. protocols with the grip strength. Like it's it's all gone into the app, um, and it's it's you you might think it's easy to use, but it is a little bit more involved than just a, a bog standard ten week couch to five k training plan. But then that it that is. just means there's a lot of powerful aspects with the flexibility that you can use as well. It's far more complex than a than a standard i mean i've used couch to uh well couch to 5k actually and then 5k to 10k <laughs> and they're great they're wonderful but they're just you pop your headphones in and you run and there's no thinking about it this is it's so comprehensive i'm going to actually wind back to the kind of what happens when you open up the app because i've got a bit carried away but basically it it it's it's a completely comprehensive training plan that's almost as if it's designed for you is what it seems you you put your events in and it it kind of it plans for you right so in i've got it in front of me here the season plan it tells me how long base building is how long sharpening tapering recovery race like it it's planning down to my events so it's no longer back in the day where people had to make a spreadsheet with their a race and their b race and how am i going to get here like this is doing a huge amount of the work for you isn't it yeah, like uh, the the idea is that it, it starts by producing a season plan for you. Uh, so it looks when your when your priority races are, and then it builds um, a phasing plan towards those. So when you should be doing a certain type of training, uh, so you can be in the best shape possible. So that means you could actually put a race in in five months time or six months time and the plan will adapt to give you the correct training next week for that race be it in three weeks time or 10 weeks time or whatever so that's sort of like stage one and then it'll produce a weekly plan off the back of that dependent on what commitment level you've chosen and then you get um some types of sessions to do but then within those types of sessions you also get choice as well so you can actually choose individual sessions uh so there is a lot of choice there which can be quite over 
overwhelming and it can be a little bit to get your head around. But then we also have the Facebook community. So if you have any questions whatsoever, you just go in there, ask a question and I'll respond or one of the team will respond within, say, like a day at least. So uh, we really do feel that we've made something which is as powerful as being coach personally uh it's just a hell of a lot cheaper and you have a little bit more power yourself i think it's 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 lovely and so one of the things that sometimes gets me i kind of have like this panic with exercises sometimes like so for example i do ballet i like it i'm not great at it but i like it and there's a lot of movements that i know but if i was to stand in the center on my own and the teacher would go do this i'd be like oh no it's kind of sometimes the same with exercise. I'll be like, yeah, I know all of these exercises. And then I've got to do them. And I'm like, oh, crap, I've forgotten what <laughs> that is. But part of the app is that there are videos of you doing everything, isn't there? Yeah, so especially with the strength training, there's follow-along timers. So you choose your progression for that workout. So, for instance, you're going to do some plyometric leg strength with one of the workouts uh, and you get to choose a progression one to three, depending on what, what you think your legs can handle, because the idea is you want to be able to walk the next day. So, for instance, you start with progression one, you um, you click on the timer and you can preview all the exercises. You click on play and then it will just play the whole workout through with me doing the exercises and then you can just follow along obviously doing it with mm. your your own cadence to sort you and slightly different technique maybe but I'm there doing the exercise so it's just easy to see what I'm doing and then you can you can copy and it's like that with all the workouts and also the same time as for the interval sessions as well so if you want you can just jump on the treadmill press play and then follow along with the uh, the timer mm. Now, there's one thing I've noticed about the app, and I mean, I might be wrong because I've not seen everything, but from what I can tell, a lot of it, and again, I don't want to be comprehensive because I've not seen it all, is really you can do it without anything very special. Even the hill training, there's like hill trainings where it's you don't necessarily need hills in order to get that kind of strength in your legs. Um, a lot of the stuff is body weight. Well, so far it is. And that's, again, a huge hurdle to people training is even mentally, oh, well, I don't have that, I can't do it. Oh, it's too difficult, I can't get there. Um, which, again, yeah, it's another level of accessibility for people to be able to access the best training. Yeah, we've certainly tried to make both. So we've got, say, for instance, uh, the leg strength routines. We've got one which is weighted leg strength where you do it at a gym and you've got access to weights and equipment and then plyometric leg strength. All you really need is a chair so you can step up on it. Mm. Uh, so we've got we've got both. Um with the tempo heels, for example, a lot of the workouts you need heels because it's uphill running, but then you can also use a treadmill and there's also a flat run with some jump squats and some plyometric like leg strength mixed in with the run. So you can go for a flat run, but still try and generate that leg strength as if you're running uphill. So we've really tried to make it as doable as possible. And then that also means that because you have the choice, you you get these five different sessions come up when you click on Tempo Hills, for example, and you think, ah, oh, next week I'm going to be traveling. I'll be in a hotel. I can do that on the treadmill. Or the week after, it's like, oh, I'm at home and I live in London and there's zero hills, so I can do the flat run with jump squats. Or the week after, you might be traveling somewhere and you, you get access to hills or you drive somewhere to get some heels so you can make those decisions based on what you have around you at the time. Like the amount of times that I thought, oh, I'm not going to bother with my abs and leg strength this this week because I'm traveling. But then I think, well, I can just do the crunchless core in the hotel room. 
mm. and there's some planks and some different sort of movements with some side planks and things and it's done within 10 minutes I'm just following myself along with the timer and I've ticked off core for that week um, yeah. and it's super easy so I don't have to have like uh, a bunch of equipment I could just get done in the hotel room yeah yeah and and, and they're also not massively hugely intensive sessions all of them as well which is which is good if you are staying in a hotel room or you have a quick break from something you can get something in it actually I think what this app has helped me with is kind of going oh this is this is possible this isn't this isn't the huge commitment that I seem well it is of course fitness is a commitment but it's not the oh I have to get up at four in, in order to be able to fit in three hours of gym before I go to work for 12 hours, which is kind of what a lot of people no, oh, say. It, and, it's, and it's not. It's like, no, this is possible. I could do this. Yeah, the, the ethos is definitely if you can do one core session every week for six weeks, that's going to be so much more powerful and work so much better than doing a three-hour core session the first week and then just not bothering in the next weeks because it was too painful or it was too long or it just was too much. So that's yeah. exactly how I train, just try and keep the consistency there. And that means if I need to do intervals a little bit easier, I need to like just make strength sessions a bit shorter I do that because then I know psychologically and also um, like physically I will be able to do it the next week and the next week and the next week and through the months I will improve. It's, it's surprising how little you need to do in order to improve. You just need to keep doing it week in, week out and then year in, year out and before you know it you'll be a completely different type of person, different type of athlete and you will improve like a lot compared to if you just go too hard at the beginning and then stop and this whole stop start, you'll never get anywhere. That is literally one of the most motivating things I've heard in ages because I struggle so much and I know how I know how important consistency is. Um, and sometimes it just feels like it's a bit of a, a, a an unclimbable mountain. You just go, oh, I just I just can't. But yeah, you're right. It doesn't. You're right. You're completely right. Uh, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It just needs to be constant. It just needs to be small and often to make a difference. Every little counts. Every every little counts. So, yeah, good. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So how are you finding people's results using it? Uh, I think it's a, it, no, it is definitely a mixed bag. Some people... Uh, they find it really easy just to switch onto the app and think, I'm going to follow this. I trust the system. It's going to be great. I trust like how the app works because there's a lot of flexibility there. So you really have to trust the fact that it's still going to get you as fit as a super structured set training plan. And there's other people which already have an idea with how they want to train. So then they don't fully commit to following the app. And then they're trying to use it more like a Strava or a training pitch just to log what they're doing. Whereas the idea is it's actually more of a, it's planning for you. Trust what the app is telling you to do and you will get fitter rather than just, I want to log what I'm already doing. Like for that, I use, I use Strava alongside the app to actually look at the nitty gritty details, to look at the heart rate and look at the pacing and things. Whereas the app, it's like a big whiteboard. It's got all my favorite sessions on there. It says how many of those sessions I meant to do in a week. And as I go through doing them, I tick them off and say, yep, core is done for the week. I had a choice of five core sessions. I did crunchless core, ticked off, core is done for the week. And that's that's more of the idea. So it lets you see the wood for the trees. It's, it's sort of like the higher level thing. So you don't get so bogged down in the actual data, which a lot of people can 
can do. Like they want to see their heart rate and they want to see their cadence. And all these things are really fun and they are great sort of things to use. But at the end of the day, what we want to know is, have you done your session or not? Have you done that core strength, uh, strength in the week? Did you do it last week? Will you do it next week? That's the important mm-hmm. thing. And the, the app definitely concentrates on that bigger picture, just getting training done rather than the nitty gritty details, which a lot of people kind of want to get bogged down in. Yeah, which which are great and fine, but that's yeah, that's not what that's not what it's for. I think something else that just occurred to me as well, whilst you were talking about that and the choice, is it it stops it being boring as well. Because sometimes, even when you get a trainer, because let's be honest, most just personal trainers, no offense to personal trainers, I know, it can just get a bit boring, and they don't change things up, or they don't understand you, and uh, this is there's so much variety that you can just go, yeah, do you know what I feel like today? Yeah, no, I feel like doing that today. And I did that last week. It allows you to kind of keep it a bit fun as well, rather than just, oh, okay, I'm doing this again. Great. Yeah, I think there is there is a lot of flexibility there. But then there is also a thing that, yeah, you do just have to get sessions done week in and week out. So it's a bit of 50-50. But there's at least five different options for each training stimulus we're after. So there's like five leg strengths. There's five core workouts. There's five upper body strength workouts. There's a bunch of grip workouts. So you do get to choose. You get to find your favorites. You get to know the ones that you know you can do at home without equipment or the ones you can do at the gym and things. And you can also move these sessions around. So we work on a weekly basis. As long as you get those sessions done in a week, we're happy. So it doesn't mean that on Tuesday, you have to do your intervals. It might be that it's super sunny on Tuesday. You've got the day off work. You're going to go and do your endurance, your your long session on Tuesday instead. Move your intervals to a different day. Um, There's advice in there and you can ask questions about moving sessions around. We don't suggest you move all your sessions onto the weekend, for example, and backload the week. Um, because that's just not, not good practice because then, uh, you're probably going to end up getting far too tired to execute the sessions well. But there is a lot of flexibility there. Uh, so you can plan it around like an everyday life because, um, not everyone are professional athletes and, and you do need to make this mesh with everyday life because otherwise it's, it's never going to work. Well, you know, for example, on Sundays, it's endurance. And most people, when they're training for a, a long event, they have Sundays as their run, long run day because that's how life works. And it kind of has got into people's head that Sunday is long run day. Sunday is my day with my daughter where it's just me and her. I'm not training on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly not doing a long run. But that just means, oh, I just, I'm not working on, say, Wednesday. I'll, I'll slip that to Wednesday and then, you know, that's going to be – so that's that's nice as well. Another thing – which uh, I had thought about as well, and we we discussed prior to this call. It's becoming more more important for women. They're becoming more, they're noticing it more about training around your cycle. And I asked you a question about, does this app work around it? And then um, uh, your wife popped in with some very great advice because it's something she's interested in that, it's not planned into the app, but you can plan it yourself. And again, that's the that's the beauty of being able to adjust it, the commitment levels of swapping things around. So if you know you set yourself and you know your cycle and you know when you're tired, you know when you're powerful, you can go, this this training isn't going to happen well here. This isn't going to be necessarily good for me. Training here is going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot out of it. And you can work it around that. Yeah, I think that's like um, a great thing, not just with your cycle, but with everyone. They have ups and downs and you can you can be flexible and you can really 
adapt the training based on how you feel at the time, which adds a little mm. a level of complexity, I guess, that you have to try and feel how you feel and think about like what's going to be best for you. But then once you actually get in tune with your body, that's going to be a lot more powerful than having mm. a personal coach that doesn't know you or doesn't know your body or doesn't really, yeah, it doesn't live with you and actually understand the day to day or like a, an algorithm or AI uh, which is just making like uh, a guess practically of what would be good for you based on some information that mm. might not even be correct. So I think like the, it, you need to have a little bit of both. You need to have the guidance, but you need to have the flexibility in there and the the want to to get fitter and to actually eff, like take grasp of your own training and your own planning. But obviously with the structure and the... Um, yeah, the app provides that structure, but then you can use it yourself based on how you feel. And that's very much the case with the, with the cycle is like when you think you're going to be feeling completely crap or actually it might be that you're feeling better, you can adjust the training dependent. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something I'm actually trying to, something I want to talk about a lot more amongst women is training and racing around your cycle because it's so big it's something we're so rubbish at handling <laughs> i think i think the the majority of training has all been programmed towards male athletes and yes. it's been swept under the rug and even yeah. if an olympic athlete says oh yeah i've got my period this week it's like a taboo subject that everyone gets completely shocked and they're mm. like how can you say that on camera but it's like but yeah. it's it's like 50 percent of the people have one yeah. Uh, I don't see why it's not been more documented in sport and why the majority of training has been angled towards making male athletes fitter. So yeah. um, I definitely haven't got the, the answers. And being male, I, I, haven't, I haven't spent time thinking about it, but Henrietta certainly has. And um, we do feel the app can be tailored so you, can, you can adjust it yourself. But it's, it's not been designed that it will tell you what to do based on its guess about how you should yeah. feel because of a certain time of the month. Uh, so yeah. that's not a road that we've, we've gone down. No, and that's yeah. It's down to uh, like I say, it's, it's it's a conversation that I want people to start having more, and it's something I want to try and get into with people to kind of help educate myself and others. Because it's I don't want to go off on a tangent, but yeah, it's something that you should be responsible for. I mean, I did have a, a comment from a female athlete a while ago when I said about um, racing on your period and how much that can affect a result. And isn't it crazy? You can do all this training, and her comment was professional athletes don't have periods i was like yes they do <laughs> they, should. So, they should some of them don't you'd be surprised i, I think. know i know uh, but they should and then it goes uh, oh no this is this is like low-key athlete saying this there's a lot there's a lot that needs to, we we need we need um yeah and i think there's even there's obviously there's some athletes which have completely lost it because they're training so much and their body's going yeah. through a lot of stress trying to adapt to the training. And there's also athletes that might have it and then they try and take certain drugs in order yeah. to delay it by a week so they don't actually have it while they're racing and things. So there's a lot... That of, makes sense, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on uh, which you'd never actually think of. It's just it's one of those things that not many people do talk of, I guess. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope it'll start to... But when it comes down to it, in any professional sport... Uh, that you're really trying to be the best in the world that isn't going to be healthy. So the training isn't going to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, and we've tried to keep a good balance between health and um, improvement within the app. But at the end of the mm. day, when you look at most Olympic athletes, when they stop competing, they probably won't train anywhere near like what they are in order to be in the yeah. best shape possible for the Olympics. Um, yeah. 
and it, and it's one of those things like top end sport isn't that healthy um so it's unfortunate but that's the way it is because it's just it's competitive isn't it yeah i would say like yeah i, I agree with you i mean i would hope yeah I would agree with you, but lower level athletes, I would hope, are not going through that kind of thing. Uh, Olympics, maybe, still not great, <laughs> but yeah. <we've... laughs> so let's get back to the app quickly. Um, <laughs> I forgot about it too much, but it's been a lot of fun looking through it. What's your What's your favorite part of it? Like, you must have kind of, there must be a bit that you really, you're proud of or that you love, because there's been a lot of work going into this. Um... I think I, I'm really enjoying just using it because it's actually made it a lot easier to plan my own training to remain consistent. Mm-hmm. So I, and also just to see all my favorite sessions actually listed down so I don't forget about any of them. So it's, mm-hmm. it's like every year I always forget things from the year before, whereas now <laughs> they're all there, they're on a list and I, and I know when I was meant to do them because it tells me which ones I'm meant to be doing and when. So it yes. just, it makes planning my own training just so much easier. Yeah. But yeah, just I think putting the whole thing together just has been a lot of fun actually really trying to think about how I got to where I am and how I can help other people improve as well because it's definitely, it's going to be different for for everyone. And I definitely think what I've done, I've made a lot of mistakes through the years and hopefully by using the app, people can not make as many of the mistakes that I have so they can streamline the process of improving. Um, and it has just been a lot of fun just putting the whole thing together and actually thinking like, what works and what doesn't work. Um, and there's no, there's no one clear answer as to how to get fitter. There's a set of principles that you can follow. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can get fitter. It's just this is the way that I've found meshes with everyday life the best and has worked the best for me and is like not foolproof, but one of the easiest ways to have the best shape possible come event day and give you the best, the best chance possible of actually just putting together lots of sessions over some weeks and months so you can improve and actually enjoy that training as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. I mean, looking at it, I've, I've got it in front of me. It's it's it is a very nice app. It's very user friendly. It's very um, comprehensive, and yeah, it's, it's lovely. And it's it's been the question for years, hasn't it? Like John Alban, how do you train? You can't answer that. You can't answer that in a sentence. But now you have. You've answered it in an app. Yeah, I think like. Um... Hopefully it does help as many as many people as like as it helped as it helped me because I am using it like every single day and we are continually changing it and adding functions and um, improving it so it's been a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to just making it better and better. Excellent. So if people want to give it a go, it's is it the Alban app or is it just Alban app, isn't it? Alban app, yeah, and it's on um, the Google Store and the um, Apple Store, whatever they're called. And currently, how much does it cost to use it? Uh, 25 euros a month, but you get the first week free and we're in the process of making some discount codes as well. So hopefully um, we can get it a little bit cheaper for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> but like, like I said, it's like... Um, if you look at it as you're just buying a 10-week training plan, yeah. uh, even though it's all my personal sessions with everything, all the sessions that's made me who I am, it's relatively expensive. But if you look at it as, wow, mm. this plans my training like having a personal coach and I get to ask John whatever questions I want through the Facebook community page, I think it can be used better than having me as an actual coach. 
So I think in, in that regard, it's, it's pretty cheap. It's just people have to care about their training enough and care about improving enough in order to fully commit to it, try it out and see, see it work. Because, um, with any training, you're not going to see massive improvements in a couple of weeks. Um, but the system is there that over a couple of months towards your event, you should see a big difference in your fitness and motivation. So, um, just looking forward to seeing people use it and enjoy it. And, um, a little bit worried that pretty much I've given away all my secrets to any competitors that I'll be racing uh, later on in the year, but still. Yeah, I mean, you may have done, you may have done, but they still need to put the work in, don't they? And they're still not you. Exactly, so. exactly. <laughs> no, I, I actually think it's, um, before I looked at it, I saw the price and I was like, meh, I've bought training plans that are this much. And then I got into it, I was like, holy mackerel. <laughs> you are getting a lot for your cash. So, I mean, 25 euros is not a lot of money, but it, it's, it's, Actually, you you get so much for it, and it is, it's it's better than just a regular kind of like oh I'll see a PT once a week and that'll be forty quid and actually it's not geared towards anything long term. So I think it's great. You get my seal of approval. So there we go. If that counts for anything, <laughs> thank you very much. Every yeah, we're um, we're just happy if we could just help a few people. Then I'm I'm yeah. more than happy. Um, it's been it's been a, it's been as rewarding enough just putting it together and it's helped my own training and the small team we have is only four of us um it's amazing me uh henrietta my wife lou is the software engineer and ross brackley who uh is a seasoned obstacle racer as well so it's just the four of us we're all athletes we've just put something together that we think will help a lot of people and try to make it as good as possible and um that's what i think we've done and like i said we're going to continue working on it as well yeah, for four people, it's really impressive. It is. I, I mean, it's it's a really, it's it's slick. It looks great, and there's so much in there. So you really have done well. I am very very impressed. I know these things are not easy, and knowing you and the commitment you put towards things, uh, you've, I'm sure you've really gone to town on everything behind the scenes. So yeah, it's great, and thank you for sharing your secrets with us. <laughs> no worries, my pleasure. I think uh, it's going to be fun to see if they help everyone else as much as they've helped me. Amazing. All right. Well, um, I will let you get on with your with the rest of your day. I'm sure you've got plenty of training ahead of you. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, I've got uh, I've got another session planned straight after the course. So, looking amazing. forward to adapting my my skiing legs into running legs. It's uh, a process that takes a little bit of time, but I already feel like I'm way ahead of last year. So it's fun to get back on the trails. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, good luck with everything. Uh, it's always nice to see you when you, when you share things on social to see what you're getting up to and getting to support you. And we obviously really hope to see you this year in Vermont. But also, you know, whatever you do, we will 100% support you and be cheering you on. Yeah, no, we'll just see how it goes, see how the year pans out. But I hope to make it as well. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Cool. No worries. Good luck. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.